you know, my grandparents, I would go to Arkansas every summer and sit around the piano. My grandmother would play piano. I would play jazz guitar and my grandpa would play saxophone, you know, and here I am six, seven, eight, nine years old and I'm learning, you know, jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Cause my grandma would be singing. And, um, so I learned all these 1920s and thirties and forties songs. And, um, so when I first saw George Burns, which I believe must've been in, Oh God, right. Cause that was when he kind of broke through to another generation. I thought he was the coolest thing, even cooler than John Denver. And I loved John Denver. And so I wrote him a letter. And back then you had to go to the library. My mom drove me to the library and you went in the back of the library and there was this big book and you opened it up and there was famous people's addresses. You could write to them. And we found George Burns in the library. So I wrote him this letter and my mom took some photographs of me and we sent him the letter and the photographs and I drew a map to our house in case he came to Houston and I told him I would take him to dinner. Sarah show and Sarah is doing a song and she accidentally during the first verse starts singing the second verse and all of a sudden in Sarah's mind's like does not compute does not compute oh you know damn I got the lyrics wrong and Linda shouts the lyrics to the second verse and Linda goes and you know Sarah doesn't know it's Linda because on stage you can't see and she's like, yes, that's it. And so Sarah starts the song again and does it the right way. And, with, and, and Linda was beaming with, <laughs> with pride, I, you, know? you know. And just at Port Davis, when she was mouthing the words like on the second row or something to me, and yeah. I, I was just like, you know, I have to say, um, I've been at shows, you know, like I remember the first time that happened was at a John Denver show. Everybody was singing every song of, you know, it was just like one big awesome swimming pool full of people singing and I loved it and I and you know I think part of the reason why I always wanted to do sing-alongs was because I thought well that will get people to sing with me and that will be like what happened with John Denver or Hart or whoever yeah. I see um, but I think it's even more exciting when I can't remember and I saw this when I toured with Richie Havens he was at a stage in his life where he would almost every song forget words in the song and, but the audience was was listening so intently. The minute he would drop out, he would keep playing the guitar. They would rise up in their, not like stand up, but their yeah. voices would rise up and they would carry him through to when he would start remembering. And I was so floored by that kind of love. Oh, that's so when beautiful. when Linda does that or someone yeah. else knows my song better mm -hmm. than I do, it's like, yeah. how do they, oh my gosh, what an honor. I'm so flattered. That means yeah. so much to me. But tell Linda. I will. She will. All right. You, you, you're signed from Electra. Mm -hmm. um, you're able to do a uh, shortstop, um, wonderful album. You got to see, you got to be on the Tonight Show, which I would love. I don't know if you have time to tell that story, if you want to tell that story, but your boyfriend at the time comes over to our house to watch you on the Tonight Show. Is that where he was? Yes. God, and, I don't even remember that. Yes. And um, Sandy? Yes, Sandy. Uh, and he's going oh this is not going well <laughs> and 
And well, wait, tell people. So I was on, on The Tonight Show and you're watching yeah. me on The Tonight Show, right? Yes. And Sandy says to you, Yes, he, he goes. Really yeah, this mad. is this is I not going well. Yeah, and um, and it's my first time on the Tonight Show, so that's yes. like, I go to the Tonight Show, I get to the Tonight Show, all the things that you would think are going to happen. It's magical. I got to see where Johnny Carson parked his white Corvette. It had a Johnny Carson sign. You go in, you go to the green room. They have your name on the door. I still have that sign somewhere. Um, you go into makeup, they put your makeup on, you've gotten styled, you've brought the clothes that the stylist has put together for you. And uh, in this case, it was always people that either own small shops that I knew that I wanted to support and give them, you know, exposure, or it was friends of mine who were designers that would make me clothes to wear so they could say, my friend wore this on the side jet, right? So anyway, <clears throat> I had to go in makeup. And the woman in makeup was like this strong Russian lady who, um, says, oh, you're from Texas. I make you big, big hair. And I'm like, no. just because I'm from Texas doesn't mean I want big hair. She's like, no, 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 we make you, ooh, and you have big lips, I make you bigger lips. So I'm sitting in the chair and she gets these orange juice cans and puts them on my head and then takes them out. And I have these, this huge beyond fair faucet hair. And then she takes this red lipstick, and I have these huge, massive lips. They look ridiculous. Anyway, that was the first sign that things were not going to go well. So I went in the bathroom and I'm wiping everything off and flattening my hair. And she kept going, why you fix? No, let me fix it. But she, that was terrible. Anyway, then the talent coordinator came in and says to me, um, hey, you can't, you can't play that song tonight. The, uh, the censor came in and she said that it's too, um, you need to change some lyrics. It's too naughty, <laughs> which by today's standards is... It's not naughty at all. It wasn't naughty really back then. No. It's snarky, if anything. Yeah. So I said, whoa. And my manager's in the green room with me and a person from Electra is there and then the talent coordinator from The Tonight Show. And I said, no, I'm going to sing it the way it is. And he's like, um, I thought you might say that. So I took the liberty of rewriting the lyrics for you. And he hands me this piece of paper. And I'm like, no. And I could just see. Do you and remember the like, lyrics? You're sweating like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Just do whatever they want. You're about to be on the Tonight Show. And do, you I'm like, do you remember the rewritten lyrics? Yes. So okay. his lyrics were, well, let me say, my lyrics yeah. were, she dives into his pants. That, that, that was, was it. That, that was, was the it. Problem. Yes. That's me, which was very surreal and funny, right? Yeah. You know, he wanted me to sing, she does a finger dance upon his pants. Or she unzips his pants. Now, to me, both of those are far worse than she yes. dives into his pants because that's like a Charles right. Bukowski, you know. It's yeah, just, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, so I said no. And now everybody's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he said, well, then you'll have to do another song. And he left the room. And now it's like 10 minutes till showtime. And the band that I'd rehearsed with was the Tonight Show band, um, which was uh, – uh, actually, I believe Denny Fongheiser had come in, who plays with Peter Frampton, the drummer for Peter Frampton and other mm -hmm. amazing people. And uh, Randy Jackson, as you know him from American Idol, he was one of the yeah. judges on American Idol. He was the bass player. And uh, he came in, I think. And then my friend Brad McLemore yes. was there as a guitarist. So I find Brad and I say, I can't do too fast. We're going to do last night was a big rain. <laughs> And he goes because they wouldn't let you do simply. They wouldn't let if me I do remember simply, correctly. Which you, I think if they'd let me do simply right there, 
my life would have been different. Yes. I, I think that's one of the things that was not my mistake. Yeah. That was the song they said, we'll do this one because it's upbeat. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you simply I'm falling for you. I've never felt this way before. I don't need flowers and I don't mind tears. I just need you through the years. And I do agree. I think that because simply is an amazing song well, right it and feels it, like it feels like it's always yeah. been a classic right yes right? It, it is classic yes not because i wrote it but just it has that feeling well and by the way willie nelson ended up covering it <laughs> for you so you know As so combo. yes it did yes so anyway so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah so i uh brad runs out to the band and nobody knows the song but brad and I'm about to go on live national television with my grandparents, you know, everybody, you, Sandy, all these people watching. And I'm, I, I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to play a song with a band that does not know this song except the other guitar player. And so I started and I guess he's over there yelling, go to C, you know, okay, go to D. Oh, here comes an F, which you can't hear him. Right. But I can see him over there. So I'm just hanging on and singing like nothing's a problem. And I get to the end of the song and I'm doing one of those big rave ups like Pete Jones yeah. and that's blah, blah, blah. And uh, I finished the song, but the band is like rocking now. They're like, bam, and I'm, I'm like, you know, what do I do? So I start playing the song again, because now I'm really mad. I'm not mad at the band. I'm just yeah. mad at the situation. So that's, yeah, I'm sure Sandy was just like, oh boy. Yeah, because it is, and, I, and I, I, I'm i sure it's on YouTube. I, I, I didn't check, but yeah, I mean, it you're just, uh, yeah, you're, both, you're, both you're like, you keep like, okay, I'm over, you know, like it's the song's over, people. You can see my face, like I'm looking like, okay, I'm just gonna yeah, somebody will win this yes. somehow. Mm -hmm. You've had great moments and there's so many stories, but. Yeah. And you're so nice to have me on because I'm, I'm not really giving the listeners much about Bruce, but. No, that that's, this is fine. Okay. This is, this is set lusting Sarah. Um, <laughs> SLS. Yes. Well, how, um, how high was meeting George Burns on your list of accomplishments that, you know, <laughs> there are people that have, okay, like, 
I, well, here, here's a brief story. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, Brian Wilson was touring and he was in New Jersey and for the encore, Bruce Springsteen came on stage and played two songs with Brian Wilson. Wow. He played guitar. And I've told multiple people, forget Chris getting married. Forget me seeing grandkids. If I had been in that audience and saw Brian Wilson and Bruce Springsteen perform together, take me away. That's it. My life. You know, I, I, I've had a good life. I love you, Linda. But this is you can take me away. Because yeah. could there be any further no, ultimate? You're, you know? you're already in heaven, right? There. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have so loved George Burns from, I know. from right from the moment you can remember, right? I, you know, I had two grandparents who were the only other musicians in the family, true musicians who toured and played. My grandmother played a big, amazing piano. I keep saying amazing, but anyway, sorry. Uh, and my grandfather played saxophone and clarinet and toured with big swing bands. And uh, my grandmother had uh, had her own radio show in New York City in the 20s with her sister called the Ozark Smile Sisters. And I just recently inherited a trunk full of all the paraphernalia from their radio show. Oh, how cool. It's so amazing. There's fan mail in there to them. There's the official letter that invited them to have their own radio program on the letterhead. And there's photos of them outside the radio station. It's just crazy cool. Anyway, so, I, you know, my grandparents, I would go to Arkansas every summer and sit around the piano. My grandmother would play piano. I would play jazz guitar and my grandpa would play saxophone. You know, and here I am six, seven, eight, nine years old and I'm learning, you know, Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Because my grandma would be singing. And um, so I learned all these 1920s and 30s and 40s songs. And um, so when I first saw George Burns, which I believe must have been in Oh God, right? Because that was when he kind of broke through to another generation. I thought he was the coolest thing, even cooler than John Denver. And I loved John Denver. And so I wrote him a letter. And back then you had to go to the library. My mom drove me to the library and you went in the back of the library and there was this big book and you opened it up and there was famous people's addresses. You could write to them. And we found George Burns in the library. So I wrote him this letter and my mom took some photographs of me and we sent him the letter and the photographs. And I drew a map to our house in case he came to Houston. And I told him I would take him to dinner. So he wrote me back. <laughs> um, he wrote me back twice. Yeah, so I wrote him twice. He wrote me twice. And that was enough for me. You know, I was a kid. That was amazing. And then in my 20s, when I went on the uh, Pat Sajak show, he had yes. a nighttime show for a bit. Um, and I think most people know this, but before you go on any show, the Tonight Show, Dave Letterman, anything like that, they, they ask you questions ahead of time to feed to the host so they know what to yeah. talk about. So... I guess either I or Electra had told Pat Sajak that, or his people that I loved George Burns and that I'd been pen pals with him. So I'm on Pat Sajak's show and uh, he gives me some stationery from George Burns and a signed book from George Burns and a cigar from George Burns with George Burns label on the cigar. And then the next day, um, George Burns, um, manager who had watched that Pat Sajak episode called Electra all the way in New York and said, Hey, I saw that kid on TV talking about George and uh, I think she should come over here and meet George. And so sure enough, they sent a limo. I was still in LA. I went over to George's studio in the 
whatever, you know, whatever big uh, lot it was on, in Hollywood. And it was the office he'd had since he began. I walked in and it was all wood paneling. And there was first his manager who was like 9,000 million years old, who <laughs> I got to meet. And then I walked into this little room in the back that had lovely windows and a big, big desk. And there was George sitting in a director's chair next to the, the desk. And he was minuscule because he was like, I think a couple years away from his 100th birthday or something. So he yeah. was just a bag of bones. But he was dressed to the nines. He had a drink, an alcoholic drink. He had a cigar. And he got up and I you know, shook hands with him. And I had dressed like Gracie. I had on like this little 1940s outfit that was adorable and I had my hair done and I'd brought my guitar and the whole thing was filmed which is hilarious but um yeah we sat and sang songs together and he he, he was very um he was speaking firmly and with yeah he definitely had his wits about him but his voice was real soft because he was old yeah. and then at the end he was like so kid you want to take some pictures and I was like yeah and so when I put my arm around him, I thought I was going to break him. He was really fragile. And I just, I, I mean, there's one photo of me just looking at him in like serious glee and disbelief. And that picture hung in my grandparents' home for a long time. And, and to me, that was probably more important than even being on The Tonight Show because Johnny did invite me both times over to the sofa to talk to him. Right. I don't know why. That was cool. But for my grandparents, getting to see someone from their era that yeah. I – had loved and now I was hanging out with they, they just thought that it was the coolest thing ever. well ain't misbehaving right I think is one of the songs yeah. you sang and he asked you if I remember the story because like I said I've been friends with Sarah a long time <laughs> he said like why aren't you doing this verse and you didn't know the other verse I've never the, heard that verse because the so recording tape, I have him singing a verse no one else knows I mean maybe people from vaudeville yeah. but I was like blown away and he sang it for me and I was playing guitar and I was like I'm yeah. playing guitar and George Burns is singing so I I don't want to make you cry but I need to share this story with you um is everything okay yeah a couple weeks ago a guy I work with came to me and he asked do you have a few minutes I go yeah and he said, um, you know, my grandfather had recently died. And I said, yes, I, I remember. He said, and there's been some struggles and I need to take some more time off to kind of help. I said, okay. He said, you know, my grandmother had died right before my grandfather. And he was just, I think he just couldn't keep living without her. And I said, not now, because it's too soon, but I want you to Google a song, Take Me With You, by Sarah Hickman. I said, and um, it's too soon now. I said, but in a month or so, I said, you will hear that song, and you will have happy tears. I said, when my grandmother died, and uh, my grandfather would, when we left him, he would just be at the front porch staring at us as we drove away just sad that we were leaving and it would break our hearts that we're leaving him alone and Sarah would always do take me with you because it was about her grandparents and um and I'm just I'm just missing her and so um 
<laughs> and I had not thought of that song, Sarah, in probably 15 years. But when he told that story, I immediately remembered Caravan of Dreams and you doing that because you knew Linda and I were in the audience and Linda reaching over and grabbing my hand. And uh, so thank you for that memory. Lock is ticking somewhere down the hall. Candle playing shadows on the wall. Echoes of my life with you. I hear my heart calling. Sixty years was not enough for me to show how much our love has grown to be. Now I see you dying to be. You know, I think that's just what love does. You know, it it, it, it tattoos on our heart. Um, and if you're if you're a songwriter, uh, it it's a tattoo you want to give to the world. So yeah, I love my grandparents, the musicians I was speaking of. It's those grandparents, and the fact yeah. that you love your grandparents. You know, I think. Um, the beautiful thing about songs is they aren't ours. No. You know, we receive them, we put them together, we share them in the world, and they go on um, and they land in places we'll never know. Yeah. You know, sometimes my music's, sometimes I'm there when I'm getting to perform for someone who's mm -hmm. dying, or as we say, transitioning. Um, there's no greater gift than to be with somebody in the last breaths of their life and yeah. to know that you're helping them leave the world feeling loved um so the fact that that song could oops hold on i gotta let my dog in okay sorry no no you're good yay i want to be on the podcast i want to be on the podcast this is her second podcast today yeah she's <laughs> love it this is Twig. Hi, and Twig. Twig and my grandparents would have loved each other. Yes. Or you didn't get to meet Martha and Alan. Um, so I was just telling Jesse about Take Me With You. Mm -hmm. It was. And he's, Jesse's the sweetest. I hope you meet him someday. You guys would really like each other. So anyway, thank you for letting me babble on about. Yeah, no, no, it's true. Our music is, um, it's really not ours. Nothing no. is ours. No. You know, these moments are ours that you mm -hmm. and I are sharing right now. That's ours. Yeah. But this dog isn't mine. This cup isn't mine. I'm yeah. sounding like Steve Martin in The Jerk. No, no, it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, I will I will ask you the Mary question as we end the, as we get closer to the end. But someone asked me once, um, well, 
if you were ever lucky enough to get Bruce Springsteen on your podcast, you would have to quit asking that question because he would give you the answer. And I think of the story, um, Isaac Asimov was doing a speaking engagement, the, the science fiction writer, and he was telling what a story meant. And someone raised his hand and said, Dr. Asimov, that's not right. That isn't what the story's about. And he goes, I wrote the story. I think I know what it's about. And the reader said, the audience member said, just because you wrote it, what makes you think you know what the story's about? And Asimov, as he's writing the story and has said, I realized he was right. And so I now know that I know what I meant the story to be, but once I release it to the world, it takes a life and voice of his own. So, um, you know, you can only you know what song for my father or um you know uh, tiny little pill or you know or uh, songs that you've written meant to you but doesn't mean my friend bella years ago did an episode of bruce springsteen's five gayest songs you know because she says i'm a lesbian and Bruce Springsteen is a lesbian icon, whether he knows it or not. Well, and he's a lesbian. Yeah, so she's like, these songs are about his most gay songs. And she goes, whether he meant them to be or not, that's what they are, because that's what I listen to. I, I absolutely love that. I love the idea that you just send it out there, and then the audience finds their own meaning. Yeah, I mean, I think you, or at least I know for me, uh, one of the greatest joys is when somebody says to me, uh, you know, I heard this song and that lyric you have in there about blah, 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 made me think of, and it really helped me heal because I'd had this situation happen to me that was very painful. And, and I'll think, wow, that line is the line that brought something to somebody. And to me, Yes, it meant this way over here. Yes. They found this and that, and that's what they needed. So if my song gives you things that you need, wow, that's so spectacular, right? Because yeah. that helps the song live. I mean, if the song was just, I mean, look how long Baba Black Sheep or Mary Had yeah. Little Lamb has been around, right? Right. And those are, you know, or if you think about it, um, what's the song? Um, London Bridge is Falling Down, Ashes, Ashes. That's all right. about people having the Black Plague, right? Yeah. But that story's gone on to become a child classic. Now, yeah. now as today, maybe kids don't learn that song anymore yeah. because they're learning hip hop mm -hmm. and stuff. Which, yeah, yay. But yes, uh, songs songs go on way past their creators, as do good stories. So. so, I was asked on a podcast a while back, "What album have you bought the most of?" And I think he was expecting me to say. Well, I've bought Born to Run and cassette and CD and album. And I said, by far, Newborn by Sarah Hickman. Because anytime anyone, I'm even remotely involved friendship wise, I find out they're expecting a baby. I go to your site, I order Newborn, and I send it to them. Because I truly think, and, and for those of you who don't know, Newborn was a CD that Sarah did years ago. How many, is it 20, 25 um, years ago? 
Well, yeah, it would have been right around after Lily was born. So it was yeah. 24 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was newborn. Oh, so there was newborn, toddler, then big kid. Yeah. And then um, Super Pal Universe was yes. kind of a tween version, right. which was a band I put together with yeah. tweeners. And then I had newborn two, two right. years ago, that came out. Yeah. I don't know, 12 years ago, maybe? 18 right. years ago. Um, so I really enjoy doing children's music because, uh, there's a lot less pressure on you to do a certain mm -hmm. style. Yeah. So for me, children's music was a joy because I've always done a variety of styles as an adult musician. And that was always a problem for me in the record industry because they didn't know where to stick me. Yes. But when I started doing children's music, nobody cared. I could do whatever I wanted. And I had so much fun in the studio cause I got to play. Yeah, And I mean, play, like run around and find new instruments and try things and play all the instruments and sing yeah. all the lyrics. And, you know, it was just really, really fun to think about what children, how children see the world and, and to respond to that instead of um, writing as an adult to other adults or other. Well, yeah. and, you know, and one of the things that you talked about as a, as a new mom is that you wanted parents to sing to their children. It didn't matter if you have a good voice or could carry a tune, but the idea of connecting, you know, and whether it's goops in it, goops in it. We went to the doctor, you and me. I thought your eyes were booger free. Then as the doctor opened the door, I spied a little something I hadn't spied before. Goops in it, doo doo doo, goops in it. Your little eyes got some goops in it. Oh, goops in it, doo doo doo, goops in it. Your little eyes got some goops in it. That a, a lot of these children's songs, of course, came about after I had Lily and Eo, uh, Eolana, her second child because things would happen and I would just respond with a song, for example, Goops in it. I was in the doctor's office with Lily, who was maybe four or five, six weeks old, maybe. And my mom was with me and I noticed Lily had a little eye booger. So I started going, oh, you've got goops in it. And I would start going, goops in it, oh, goops. And then my mom started singing. And then I just made up this whole song and then the doctor walked in and this is when I knew I needed to switch pediatricians because she had been an ex-marine uh, doctor or something. <laughs> she did not find our, our singing humorous in the least. And she told me to, immediately that I should stop breastfeeding and use a formula. So I was like, sayonara, doctor. Yeah, gotta go. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the kids actually inspired me to write songs just by being themselves. Yeah. If I remember correct, and, and we'll cut this out if I'm wrong, but um, my friend Sam is a huge Lucinda Williams fan. He just adores her, and I've been able to sing her, and, and, and she is an amazing, um, you know, musician and puts on a great show. But didn't you have a really nice story about her? I have a lot of nice stories about okay. her. She's... Uh... Yeah, I know the one you're talking about, and I will tell you about it. But I okay. just want to give a shout out to Lucinda and to Nancy Griffith. Um, yes, so sad. They were two women that were very supportive and very kind to me. Um, so 
the first time I met Lucinda, um, it was when I was on that tour with Killbilly, actually. And we got to this club in Lawrence, Kansas. And on the sign outside, I think, and somewhere I have a photo of it, I think it says Lucinda Williams, Killbilly, and then maybe Sarah Hickman in really small letters. But the thing about that show that was um, awful and brilliant was that we got there to to uh, do sound check and Lucinda wasn't there yet. And the manager or the owner of the club or whatever um, came into the club and uh, it was just the bartender, me and Killbilly and the manager. And he comes up and he says, hey, we can't have three acts on one bill. That's ridiculous. So you are going to sing right now. And then when we open the doors, Killbilly can start and then Lucinda will play. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I didn't have anybody to, to say, no, that's wrong. I mean, yeah. the band wasn't going to do it, you know, and, and I don't blame them. And I couldn't do it because I'd rather sing than not sing at all. So I said, okay. Yeah. So I got up on the stage and I sang to a huge room, empty room with somebody sweeping and the bartender. And I did my full set of 30 or 40 minutes. And then they opened the doors and people came in and then Killbilly played. And by the time Killbilly finished, the place was packed. Like you wouldn't want to be in there with COVID now. It was ridiculously yes. packed. And so I'm backstage and uh, Lucinda's on stage playing. And I, and I think she was maybe two thirds of the way through with her show. And all of a sudden I hear her say, you know, earlier, my good friend, Sarah Hickman was out here and they had her play to nobody. So I'm bringing her up right now to do a couple songs for everybody. And I was like backstage, my, you know, my mouth fell open. And I was like, oh. so I go out there and I'd never met her. I didn't know her, but yeah. I go up and her band kind of kicked in and played behind me. And I sang a couple songs and I was like, thank you. And I left the stage. And then afterwards she came up to me and uh, we were backstage talking and I, this sounds so silly, but I'd just gotten this beautiful bolo tie. They were kind of in then. Yeah. And I gave it to her and she loved it. And, and I just, from that moment on, I thought this is the kind of person I want to be, you know, all these people that, you know, she was the first to impress upon me, always be kind to other musicians. Um, Billy Bragg was the first to impress on me, talk, you know, speak your truth yeah, and, and speak loud. And, you know, John Denver was the first to get people to sing with you and to, to know yeah. about the world and the environment. And George Burns was the first that it's okay to be funny and to be different. You know, so all these people, I don't want to start crying because, you know, I'm only 58, but it feels yeah. like they were all teachers and they didn't even know they were teachers, you know. It's almost like they were angels and we each just when we hear right yeah, and we and find it so much when it's time yes um by the way like yeah I, I i tell everyone um and i don't know if i've ever told you this in person but you know barry manilow did not write i write the songs uh bruce johnston from the beach boys did but many people would say the most Barry Manilow song is we, I write the songs. And there are many that would say, and I agree that we are each other's angels is one of the most Sarah Hickman songs out there. And you didn't write it. <laughs> you, no. The only yeah. thing I wrote about it was, and I'm really grateful to Chuck Brodsky who did write yeah. it. And, it, it. And I was introduced to the song to sing at someone's wedding. Yeah. A friend of mine, Kathy Turner. So she sends me this, you know, record back then. Yeah. And I, I heard this song and I went, oh, that's really cool. 
but I didn't like the last verse. So I called up this guy. I didn't even know Chuck Brodsky. And I said, hey, um, I really like this song and I'd like to record it. But can I rewrite the last verse? Because it just his last verse was about being lost in the desert and manna falling from the sky. Right. To me, it felt like the song didn't have an arc. You know, right. it didn't have this big crescendo right. at the ending. And I, and he was like, sure. So I, you know, I was, I was thinking, oh no, okay, I've said this now, what do I want to do? And the first thing I thought about was, well, we are each other's angels. We meet when it's time. And the beginning of the song talks about, I hope I see you later. It's time for me to go. Yeah. So I thought the end should be now I'm in heaven. Now I'm, right. you know, 10,000 angels. And I, I thought of the number 10,000 because of 10,000 maniacs who were also on a lecture at the same yes. time I was on a lecture. Right. So 10,000 seemed like the number to use. And then the rest of it just kind of fell into place. And, um, you know, when I get to that part in the song, every time I just feel, I just feel such a connection with people. I don't, yeah. you know, I can't, I don't even feel like I wrote it. I feel like it was sent to me. Yeah. And I just got to be the receiver. And um, thankfully, Chuck's, <laughs> Chuck's let me record it every time with the, the end lyrics that are mine. And I'm really grateful. So. Well, I reached my destination. Yeah, I finally made it home. God sent ten thousand angels to make me one of His own. Oh, but we are each other's angels. Oh, and we meet when it is time. Oh, we keep each other going And we show each other signs Each other's angels Oh, we are each other's angels Oh, we are each other's angels And we meet when it is time Oh, we are each other's angels each other's angels Oh, we are each other's angels Oh, we are each other's angels All right, we're going to end with um, um, we're going to end with another funny story. I hope this is funny. A few years ago, Sarah was elected as the official state musician of Texas, which is a pretty big freaking deal. Now, she makes fun of it, and she's like, eh, you know, and, and of course, what does Sarah do? Sarah takes this as an, a chance to goes and gets all these Texas musicians to do covers of her songs and to put it in a release that would fund art in school because that's what Sarah is. Sarah is always about giving to other people. But there's a story about Mr. Willie Nelson that I hope <laughs> you will share because, you know, we've, we've talked about my grandparents, we've talked about funerals. So I'm gonna 
we're going to wrap it up because I've been talking to you at over an hour and a half and I, I feel very bad keeping you this long, but I figure you've got to, because the Willie story is hilarious. Yeah, it is hilarious. And you know what? When you have Bruce on your podcast, which I really believe you will, I don't Thank have you. a doubt about it. Um, ask him if Willie's covered one of his songs, which I'm sure Willie has. But yeah. you should always make sure who's ever on your podcast is yes. a musician. Yes, see to what say song yes. Of theirs Willie has covered. I just yes. think that'd be cool. That would be very cool. <laughs> so um, yes, so the album I think it has 39 songs on it. It's it's a double disc, and um, I I. I just thought, well, if I'm going to be state musician, what do I do? And the legislators were like, yeah, you don't do anything. It's, you know, just enjoy it. Blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, well, that's yeah. silly. So um, I thought I would start this trend where the state musicians do something to give back, um, which we already do anyway, but, you know, yeah, why not? So um, I told them what I wanted to do, and they were like, well, we don't have any money to fund that. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. So, um yeah, I started asking musicians, and I, everybody was so great. I got Marsha Ball, I got Sean Colvin, I got Edie Brickell and New Bohemians, I got Brave Combo, I got Robert Earl Keen, I got Darden Smith, I got, I mean, it's um, Ruthie Foster. It is a who's who of Texas musicians. The Flatlanders came together, and that was really fun. I went in the studio with them and played guitar, and they sang all three parts. It was amazing. Um, but, of course, I wanted Willie Nelson on there, and, and I knew Willie. But I didn't really know how to get in touch with Willie. So people would always say, just go to the bus. You know, he'll have you on the bus. And I said, if I go on the bus, I won't remember why I'm on the bus. Because the minute <laughs> he opens the door, I'm going to be high as a kite. So yeah. um, anyway, I was at this big to-do, this big party at Four Seasons. And uh, I was talking to my husband, Lance, and some other fun people. And I looked down the, the hall towards where we were all gathered, and here comes Willie. And he had his hair unbraided. I'd never seen it, and it was like past his, like to his knees. That's how long his hair was. I don't know how long it is now. And so he's walking down the hallway with his wife, and his hair is just like this beautiful crescendo of waving waves of beauty behind him. And he's coming closer. and. So I realized, oh, this is a good chance. So he says hello to a bunch of people, and then he's coming closer. So I walk him and I say, hey, Willie. He says, hey, Sarah. And I said, hey, can I, do you have a moment? Can I ask you this question? And he said, sure, what's up? So I told him he had just been state musician, and now I was state musician, and that I was doing this project, and I, it would be cool if he would sing on it. And he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And I said, well, how do I get a hold of you? And so he he whispered his email in my ear and I was like, thank you so much. And I gave him a hug and, and I turned around and I was just, you know, you could imagine I was on class. It'd be sure. like you meeting Bruce Springsteen and talking yeah. to him and him saying, yeah, I'm coming on your podcast. Right. So I turned around and I'm in my enthusiasm. I grabbed my husband and laid a big kiss on his face, on his lips, but it wasn't my husband. It was, um, it was, um, Senator Kirk Watson and, <laughs> Ooh, I know, thankfully. Yeah. But he pulls away and he goes, Sarah, have you met my wife? And I look at his wife and I'm like mortified. But the first thing that comes out of my mouth, because I'm not thinking, I'm just really excited. Yeah. I say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just excited because I just got Willie, which sounded awful, <laughs> you know, in a sexual way. And then I was like, I mean, Willie Nelson. I mean, you know, she's looking at me like, who are you? 
<laughs> but yeah, that was pretty. And I've told that story in front of Kirk and his wife yeah. at events when I was the keynote speaker, because I'll see him there and I'll bring up and then everybody laughs and he just loves it. So I feel lucky that he thought it was funny too. But yeah, that's my Willie Nelson story. And then Willie did the recording and there's more to it behind the scenes and all that. Like, but anyway, he had to drive all night, right? To make a recording. Yes, he got, it was the, the the day before he was in Marathon, Texas, on his tour bus with his band, and they got pulled over by a cop who went on the bus and yes. realized there was pot on the bus, right? So uh, Willie paid the fines for everybody on the bus. They got back on the bus. Hey, that's my dog. Sorry. She's yeah, it's okay. Too. Come here. Come back up. It's past her bedtime, so she's freaking yes. out. Um, so... They got back on the bus and they drove all the way from Marathon, Texas to, to I guess it was Nashville mm-hmm. and where he was recording. And that was going to be the next morning. So I heard on the radio that Willie Nelson had been pulled over and I thought, well, that's it. It's not going to happen because he's in Texas and he needs to be in Nashville. So I call up the next morning and I talk to Bud. That's the name of it. <laughs> engineer bud i think that's hilarious that is greatness and i said um hey bud um this is sarah hickman and i was just calling to see if you talked to willie because i know he was supposed to record my song this morning and i'm really sad and i know he's not there and and bud goes why what do you mean he just came in and did it and i was like he's there he's like yeah they drove all night to get here for you and i was like oh my gosh so that's the kind of person willie nelson is that's the kind of person we want to be an author absolutely to, yes you know, it's just what a great guy right he didn't have to do that no that's great <laughs> all right so um for those of you who are sarah fans that this is the first time you've heard the podcast um i end every episode though i'm now going to start asking have you any musician i'm going to ask because willie nelson ever covered your song um i asked the merry question so uh jay armstrong is an honors english teacher from the philadelphia area he just recently retired and he would take his senior english honors english class and they would spend two days breaking apart the song thunder road they would look at the lyrics they would talk at the imagery they would talk about the themes of the song compare it to robert frost the road not taken and then at the end of the song the end of the two days he asked the question does mary get in the car so sarah hickman that's your question does mary get in the car at the end of thunder road oh yes i think so i do i think she gets in the car and their lives are gloriously changed forever but then i'm an eternal optimist and i think that that's a beautiful way for the story to end i love that absolutely yeah um i absolutely because i believe in happy endings um my audience is about 60 percent say yes 40 percent say no uh-huh. um and it's always interesting to hear people's thoughts and reasons behind thank you Sarah Heckman, so much for doing this. I I didn't get to ask you so many other questions. That's okay. Yeah. We'll have breakfast and I'll answer Yes, them. yes. And then I can ask you a bunch of questions. That's right. I want um, to more about you because you're so nice asking all the questions about me. You didn't get to do take whatever i can get which is one of my favorite songs you did. So so i am going to you i am good. Yes. Tell me 
I remember it one way, but I will get you and then we're going to get you out of here, but I'll take whatever I can get. I think is a beautiful song, a story about how if you're a musician, you can take almost anything, make it to a song and <laughs> channel in positive ways versus destructive ways. True. That is very true. Yes, yeah. that song came about because <laughs> um, someone I was very in love with and I broke up uh, my doing, it was, you know, ridiculous. But anyway, you know, when you, when you have a breakup, you go through this myriad of feelings and I was feeling pretty sad. And I went to a bar. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never done this before in my life, but I went to this bar in Los Angeles and I was by myself. It was the middle of the day. It was dark in the bar. I'm sitting at the bar. I'm having a drink and eating peanuts, but I was actually drinking water. Cause <laughs> that's what, what you do, Sarah. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the bar in the middle of the afternoon drink, drinking water and eating peanuts. And the, the door to the bar opens and, you know, the sun was outside. So it looked like a silhouette of a man, right? And the man came in. <laughs> and when he came in, I thought it was my ex-boyfriend. This guy looked so much like him. And he was walking towards me. And I thought, oh, my God, how did he find me? You know, what are the odds? And he came over and sat at the bar. And, of course, it wasn't my, my now ex-boyfriend. It was somebody that looked very similar to him. Up close, didn't really look like him at all. But um, he started, you know, conversing with me. And then I could tell he was flirting with me. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, what if? And then my songwriter brain took over. Like, what if I went home with this person just because he looks like my ex-boyfriend? How pathetic would that be, right? Because you're just missing this person. It's so fresh. And so then this song, Take Whatever I Can Get, is about a woman. It's about being in a bar yes. and meeting somebody that looks like yeah. and actually going home with him it's, yes it's it's, it's it's bittersweet but it's also really funny it's it's a wonderful it's song and it's it's you tell the whole story on ready to pop which was your bootleg when you were pregnant you know <laughs> that has now officially been released it's just one of my favorite songs by yours you know i should go home i know this is wrong but I'm glued to my chair Can't do nothing but stare At the sky I'm feeling sick Sort of confused Here comes a ghost I can never lose He's sitting down Right next to me Pretending he's you There's nothing I can do Cause he's got your eyes He's got your face, he's got your moves, and he's working the entire place. Have I lost my mind? I cannot forget he isn't you, but I'll take whatever I can get. Now, 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 now. He's having a dream, I'm having two. I'm going to let you go, Sarah, but... Um, Thank you, Jesse. You're so I kind to spend so much time with me. No, no, Thank no. I, I do have to just take a few minutes. And for those of you who don't want to be reminded of what's going on, um, skip ahead. It's some dark days in Texas, Sarah. And it is... I'm there are the latest political changes and, and the laws that they have put in place just really break my heart. 
and in it and i and i see you know people on social media saying such bad things about texas and and i try to argue there are a lot of us that are trying very hard to change things and so one of the things you have been very active is supporting beto you have always pushed very hard for um women's right to choose and equality and 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 for fair voting and so black lives matter yes i mean you just and so thank you for that um there are songs that i you have written from the perspective of the mother of someone who went and killed murdered murdered people and you've written from the mother because she still loves her son uh you've written songs of people who and linda gives you credit all the time there is a song you wrote about someone drowning and that song gave her strength that well I'm not going to drown, but if I did, Sarah made it sound like it's a pleasant experience. I'm going to be okay, (laughs) you know? Um, And so you have always been an advocate. And so do you have any words of hope for us, Sarah? Well, you know, I think the interesting thing about humanity is um, wherever we are and whatever we're in, it feels like the worst or the best. Um, Right now, it feels like the worst, but if you reflect on history, um, in the long run, and sadly, after many people are harmed or murdered or, you know, bad things happen, like, like, for example, this pandemic, um, and we've seen the best of humanity and the worst of humanity in the last year and a half, I really believe things come back around because common sense and love and light prevail it may not happen when we want it to like leonard cohen says um when things have a crack in them that's how the light gets in and texas has taken many leaps forward recently um so has our country you know uh, the last president was a very if not to me the darkest one of the darkest times in American history, aside from the Civil War and what's happened to Native people in the United States, how we've treated Native Americans and the Japanese internment camps. I mean, you've yeah. done a lot of bad things, uh, slavery being the worst. Uh, so when you look at, at that context, there, there are things far worse than what's happening right this second. Yeah. But because we're living in it and our children are having to deal with it, especially specifically... Uh, if I may say our daughters, it is very akin to Handmaid's Tale. And that's terrifying because um, I, I, as a human being, would like to be treated with respect and dignity. And I would like to be able to make choices about myself that are private. Yeah. You know, um, right now, the way it is in Texas, um, if I drove somebody to Planned Parenthood, they couldn't get an abortion anymore. But let's say they could. Um, I could be turned in for driving that person. So I would like to say openly, and and you can edit this out or you can leave it in, but when I was 19, I had an abortion. Am I 
does it, did it, was it giddy? Was I happy about it? No, I took a lot of time to think about it. And I had some very wise counsel from other women. Um, and I decided for myself, it was something that I needed to do. Um, I have my own personal feelings about abortion. I promised myself after that one, I would never do it again, no matter what. And I never did. Yeah. That's me. Right. I certainly understand if someone says I would never get an abortion. I support that. I do too. I think you should. Yeah. I also support if either of my children got pregnant or, or were raped or there was incest involved with a friend of mine and having, having to go through that nine months was too much for them. That's their personal decision. Much like God is your personal decision, much like where you choose to work is your personal decision. What car you drive is your personal. Um, so I'm not going to quit fighting and I'm just really angry that all the men and women, particularly the women who've fought so hard for decades and decades and decades and decades and centuries to be given the right to their own body have now just had that all taken away in the state of Texas and other states that are moving forward with that same idiotic, I can't even say the word, idiotic. I mean, I can't believe it's 20, almost 2022. And this is still the, you know, it was settled in 1973. Just find other things to... Well, and, you know, my my frustration is, but we don't want to fund birth control. We don't want to fund sex education. If you truly are against unwanted pregnancies, there are so many ways you could. But no, that isn't what about. And personally, I think men should be fined. Why why are we women put Men put their their unit inside a woman. They're the ones that cause us to get pregnant. We can't get pregnant by ourselves. What did I read somewhere that if if men were the ones that pregnant, that unwanted pregnancies would be like an ATM? You would just could go get it and it'd be done. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and all the all these people that are not for abortion, which you know, again, I, I get it. I understand. Absolutely, there's a lot I can agree to on that. I can understand it. I can also say, though, more strongly, that it is none of your effing business. Yeah. It's nobody's business. And and um, and all these high-powered Republican men and yeah. conservative men, if they want to be called that who get their mistresses pregnant, they're going to still get them abortion. Absolutely. And that's an assumption, and that's a broad but I think it, painting. Yes. But when I was living in Dallas, the woman down yeah. the street from me, yeah, um, and she was married, which yeah. is here and there. I yeah. didn't care if she wasn't married. But she, she, her child, she was like five Ooh. months into her pregnancy. Yeah. And um, the baby died inside her. Mm-hmm. And she went to the hospital. She knew something was wrong. And they said, yes, your, your baby has died. Yeah. But she couldn't find a doctor. This was in the 90s. And I don't remember why. But I know that President Bush, there was a big anti-choice yeah. movement going on. She had to carry that baby full term. Dead. And, How and sad. Dead. Now, yeah. Why would you do that to someone? They're already in mourning to find out that the child yeah. they love has just died. So late-term abortion isn't about women going, eh, I don't want to have this baby. I'm just no. going to take it, rip, get it ripped yeah. out. It is a horrific, sad, traumatizing yeah. moment in a woman's life and a, and a husband's life or a partner's life or a, Absolutely. Or a gay woman's life. It Absolutely. doesn't matter. It's, it's, they make it sound like it's just a trip to the ice cream store, and it is not. I mean, no. I still wonder you know what would my child have been like she would be 43 now or something right yeah. that's crazy and i don't know if it was a she or he but i've just i gave it a name and i think yeah. about it and i miss this yeah. baby i didn't have 
it wasn't an easy decision. So no, I just feel like there it's a distraction thing. They keep distracting us with the death penalty and abortion and immigrants, AKA refugees in my mind, because they don't want us to think about equal rights. They don't want us to think about how black lives matter. They don't want to think about how I should get paid the same amount a man gets paid. And for that black women and Hispanic women should get paid as much as all of us get paid too. And they get paid even less than I do because I'm a white woman. And I'm amazed, Sarah, that I'm a 62 year old white guy. And I'm like, how can, how can some of my people I know not recognize that my experience is totally different than someone was born in a different circumstances with a different skin color and a different economic situation. So um, absolutely. Well, and lastly, I I want to throw this in there. Please. The reason we have global warming, the reason we have plastics in the oceans and why, uh, you know, there's fish up Namibia. I can never say that country the, the fishing industry there has died because um, there's too many jellyfish choking up the water. And so the, the fish have all died. So they've lost their income and people are literally starving because they can't get the fish out of the ocean because they aren't there anymore because of us, because of people. Right. So the fact that people uh, are not pro-choice because we need it to, first of all, the population explosion on the planet is, is, is crazy. We're done. We're done for if we don't Mm -hmm. stop having more people on the planet. I'm not saying abortion is is the end all be all, but people need to start being respectful of each other's bodies and and having children. Because what are we leaving behind another 50, 75 years on this planet for the people that are here now? We won't be here, maybe. But I don't want my kids to live in that kind of a world. I don't either. And I know you are fighting with every inch of your being to make a difference. I know I am too. I, I, and I and will end this political segment with saying that, and I will put a warning before I'm like, okay, Sarah and I get deep. So skip ahead to the end. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to hear this, but I, I do hope people listen and, you know, and I, I, I get frustrated, Sarah, because, you know, I, I do email and I call my local congressman, my state representative, my state senator, our two senators, and it's it's like they don't care because I'm a, I am more liberal and I am a minority and they just don't give an F what I think, but that they aren't going to shut me up. I'm going to continue mm-hmm. to call their offices. I'm going to continue to email their offices. I'm going to continue to post on social media, and I'm going to say... I matter and what my opinion matters and you need to listen to me. And I think we all need to continue that fight. And I know Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that you have during your quote unquote retirement, you have spent a lot of energy to try for, to support the social causes you believe in. And for that, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. I just, I just want to end by saying, there are already millions of beautiful children here. So stop fussing over choice and start fussing over the children that are here and loving them. It matters. You know, every child deserves a home and clean water and good food and love. 
and we would have a lot less problems on this planet if people would live in the present and take care of those around them. We would and, have less homeless. Yeah. We would have less children in orphanages. Yeah, I, I would, well said. Yeah. Well said, anyway, my friend. I appreciate uh, you talking to me and asking yes. serious yes. questions and funny questions. Yes. Listeners, thank you for letting me <laughs> talk to one of my dearest friends. Um, I am, this is truly a wonderful moment for me. And I will join you on your podcast anytime you want, Sarah. Yes. Go, yeah, me? go get vaccinated, people. Remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, remember to social distance, speak your voice. Um, do not let them quiet you. You matter, we matter, and let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye, Jesse. I wish I were a princess. I wish I were a princess. I wish I were a princess. And you were my prince. I wish I were a princess. So beautiful to see. I'd pass the greatest law in Thank you to my Patreons, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petri, Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosick, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. You all are my monthly angels. Thank you so much for the love and support you give on this podcast. You are greatly appreciated. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. You know, we we didn't get to talk about more stories about you on the road. Um, I would love to talk about other albums. So we will have you on again. But for now, um, thank you so much, Sarah. And uh, I'm going to put one last goal in the universe before we hang up, which is if I ever have the opportunity or if I can make the opportunity happen where I sing a duet with Bruce, you will be there. 
All right, that sounds good. That sounds great. Um, I will splice this in. So um, for those of you who are listening to the unedited version, you know, I have a small little patron group. And so I always put the unedited episodes up. So you will hear that Sarah, like after I hit record, like, oh, by the way, can you do, oh, let me go back. So um, I just love you. And, and I- I love you too. I love you so much. And I love Linda and I love Chris. And I'm so grateful. I don't think you know how grateful I am. And also, just remind people that you were the president of my fan club for a while. And it was, was really cool to tell people Jesse Jackson. Is, and people go, the Jesse Jackson? I was like, yes, the just, Jesse Jackson. And you talk about me when it is time. The odds of us going to see Molly, you opening, and you happening to come up and seeing me. Just you happen to like, you know, and then. There are no look, coincidences. Look Jesse. at this journey. No you know. Mm -hmm. um i i will send you a link um bruce springsteen wrote a song for his mother called the wish and mm -hmm. there is a line and oh it's it'll break your heart sarah because um there's a line in you'll you know you'll know me in a glance and she is now alzheimer really bad and so mm -hmm. on broadway he says you'll know me in a glance You'll know me in a glance. But anyway, there is a line where they're sitting around the kitchen and they're talking about all the things the guitar brought him. Because the song starts with a dirty old street light and um, underneath a um, shining star is a brand new Japanese guitar about him getting a guitar for Christmas. And in the end of the song, he talks about we're sitting around talking about all the things that guitar has brought us. And I know you feel that way, but I think about all the things our friendship has brought us. There was times when you were struggling with your oldest child and went, Jesse, does it get any better? I'm like, yes, it does. It's going to be okay. But I, you know, I remember, um, I remember one show where your voice was falling. It's right after you'd had, and you you walked off stage. You had hardly been able to sing, and you stumbled into Linda and I's arms, and you were almost crying and hugging. But it was so good catching up with you, and love to all your family. And uh, I will let Linda and Chris know, and they cannot wait to hear the podcast. I'm sure. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too. See you soon. Bye-bye. Life's become a great big list Of things to do and buy and fix At night we pass out before 10 Are we ever gonna have sex again? I looked for your it had gone away Well, it ain't been used since who knows when Are we ever gonna have sex again? It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 